0: Good morning, it's great to see all of you today. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time together, and as we stand in the shadow of the events of 9-11 20 years ago, Lord God, you have shown yourself faithful to us as a country, even when the, we have not proven ourselves faithful to you. We ask that over the next 20 years, that we would walk in your truth, your light, and your grace. That the heroism and the courage and the unity that we experienced 20 years ago will not evaporate from our culture, but that rather it would find a newness to the spirit and the truth of God. Father, thank you for this great country, and it remains only great, not because of us, but because of your great love. Help us to be a nation worthy of that great love and to walk in that truth in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I was looking at this new series, it's called Framed, and um, let me just tell you how it came about. I think that's very important for us because you may wonder where I I get my material from. Um, You would, uh, this is going to sound a little weird, it's going to make me sound a little crazy, but I get things from God, okay? Now, I know this sounds like you're like leaning forward, it's like what kind of weirdo church are we in? you really technically want me to get stuff from God, okay? So you don't want me downloading the great messages that you can hear at Seacoast and the great messages you could hear at Elevation in Charlotte. You don't want me downloading the information from a great Willow Creek in ch- Chicago or Saddleback. I mean, I can do that, and I'm not saying I'm above doing that, but uh, there are times when God will actually speak something to me, and it was about... Uh, I would say about a month ago that the word framed came into my head and and it's just just the word framed and it's like well well, how did you get anything out of one word and I'll have to just be honest with you it just unpacked itself when the word was dropped into me I knew exactly what the word was so today we're going to be talking about this idea called framed And, and I am so convinced that this is from God that I believe that this series is going to save some of you that it is going to reinvigorate some of you with meaning and with purpose and i i i believe that it's going to communicate belonging to god in your life now i'm going to use i'm going to be talking about frames i mean literal frames for about the first 15 minutes of this and you you might be saying well i came here to church not to hear about something i could buy at hobby lobby or michael's or uh pottery bond but i came here to church let me just say you are going to have an aha moment all of a sudden this is all of a sudden gonna make sense to you and you're gonna go oh my goodness and because and, that's how god works things So we're going to talk about frames, and we're going to talk about what they mean and all, because they do have meaning. Because when you think about frames, you do think about Hobby Lobbies. Most of us, when we think about frames, we think about where to buy the frame. That's pretty much all we do is uh, we, we go to Hobby Lobby, or Susan likes Pottery Barn, you know. Isn't it crazy that there's something better about a Pottery Barn frame than a Michael's frame, but they can be exactly the same frame, you know? It's like, what's up with that? And I say, well, before we get too heavy on my wife, you know, there's a difference in my head between a boat made by Scout and a boat made by a different manufacturer, okay? But we all got it in our heads. When we think about frames, we think about where we go to get frames, we think about framing a picture or a piece of art to uh, finish it out with a frame. But as I started looking into frames, and you say, wait a minute, you actually looked into frames? No, I didn't just look into frames. I looked into the philosophy of frames. There was actually a philosophy surrounding frames. I knew it was there. So much so that one of my greatest theologian philosophers that I've ever listened to, with G.K. Chesterton, actually had a quote about frames, he said, art consists of limitations. The most beautiful part of every picture is the frame. And I'm just like, wow, what would make a, a famous English theologian make a statement about picture frames? But here's what I kind of, I've learned, and it's kind of been unpacked inside of me. Now, listen to this. When you, ta- when you put four edges around arbitrary objects or observations you make the observations anything but arbitrary now just let that sit in i know you weren't thinking about frames this morning when you woke up but just please grab that thought you've seen rocks, let's take rocks arbitrary there's a pile of rocks over there and you you take a picture of a pile of rocks and you know you have it in your photo library i have forty thousand pictures in my iCloud okay just for you but the moment you print that picture and then not only print it you put a frame around it and you hang it on your wall somebody walks into your house and they see that hung there all of a sudden they're like they want to know what's going on with these rocks and why these rocks? And they'll be looking at it to see if they're special, if they're beautiful, if there's something about are these family rocks, who gave you these rocks. But it's interesting. Whenever you take an arbitrary observation of life, which we all do, and then you frame it, all of a sudden, it may be a lot of things, but it is no longer arbitrary. It's no longer random all of a sudden it has meaning, it has uniqueness with it. When you put a picture on it, I mean, you see it in Charleston all the time. When you go down to the market and you will take a, you'll see a picture that's matted, and it'll be a, a, just a door knocker, just a door knocker. I mean, what's so big about a door knocker? But all of a sudden you take a picture of a door knocker in Charleston, and then you put a white mat around it, and you put a frame around it, somebody's paying you $65 for that door knocker. It's like, well, wait a minute. You've been looking for a picture of a door knocker? No, this isn't any d- door knocker. This is the door knocker, you know? It's the one with the frame around it. It's, it's this door knocker. It's amazing how when you frame something, it changes. And, and real artists know that frames are part of the artwork. They, they are not just the afterthought. Martin Scorsese said this, cinema is a matter of what's in the frame and what's out of the frame that when you choose to take a picture of the rocks and put it in the frame you've decided that there were a bunch of rocks over here and a bunch of rocks over there that are not in the picture so part of making a film part of making art part of taking a, a, a photograph is that you are speaking the intention of what you put in the picture what you put in the frame And also you're making a statement about what you left out of the frame. That's really big. So framing is a form of editing, deciding what is in, what is to be included, and also what is to be excluded. So begin to let that drop into you and allow these aha moments to happen to you because you're going to get where I'm going with this. That framing is deciding what goes in and, and what stays out. Turning the arbitrary, the random, the ordinary into something special just by framing it. So artists, uh, let's just say as artists, let's just throw all of us in there, okay? We frame things differently. We use um, uh, Frames can be physical. They can be made out of wood. They could be made out of metal, they could be made out of plastic, you can just frame it up whatever way you want with, with a different material. Frames can, be, uh, can also be kind of abstract. Like for instance, the end of the canvas and you stopped painting. And so you're using the end of the canvas as part of the framing process. Maybe frames can be bound by a lens, that there's actual a mechanical limitation. You know that you can decide that I'm going to frame this picture a certain way by using this little picture that I've got here. And when you're looking through this little picture, you're deciding this goes in and this goes out. Can you imagine all of a sudden there's a family portrait and all you see in the picture? I should have shown the picture because it happened to me this uh, last week. But this one of our grandkids was taking a picture of us and they had the camera at the wrong way. So all you can see is Susan's arm, and then some random guy walking on the boardwalk going, yay, like that. And it was like, and the first thing you say when you look at it, did you know the guy, the random guy? Well, why would you think I would know the random guy? Well, because you framed it, because you put it in the picture. They're, you decided they're in and they're out in this particular frame. So the boundary of the mechanical lens. So let me also show you, there's a couple ways that you can frame an idea, a picture, an image using abstract materials or concepts. Let me show you. Here's a picture of light and darkness being used to frame the picture. It's really powerful. They want us to see the flowers in the middle and the glass, but they have framed it just using, they didn't use plastic, they didn't use wood, they used... Light, they use light and darkness to frame things. Take that and just stick it someplace because when you wonder about why is there evil in the world and why would God allow bad things to happen in the world and you wonder why God allows evil to exist, hmm, maybe it's part of framing. Then there's architecture. Here's a picture where um, architecture of the window is being used to frame the photo. Here's a really cool one, motion. Motion. You can use motion to frame the left and the right of the photo to get you to look at what the artist wants you to look at. Then there's nature. You can frame a photo with nature. And then you can actually use objects in the photo to frame this gentleman walking. We got these two train cars and we f- the artist has framed him up and used an object to frame him. So all of these are used by the artist to communicate the value to the mind of the artist. It's like if you want to get in the head of the artist, look to see how they framed the photo or how they framed the painting. So let's demo it just for a second. We're all all in art class appreciation for just a few moments. Um, So let's look at one of these photos again. Let's look at the wedding photo. All right. We're going to get inside the head of the person who took this picture, okay? We're actually, we've never met the person. I have not read anything about the caption under the photo or anything like that. But we're going to interpret it all based upon its framing. The one window pane is clean and mi- or missing the weather glass. There is some intentionality that that frame was used. And out of that one little frame, that one pane, we're seeing that something fresh and new is taking place. Compared to the f- panes that are around it, that the glass is dim, the glass is dark, the dar- it hasn't been cleaned. We also see that whatever's in the middle here, what is in this one pane, is superior in value. For instance, this person decided that that would be in the center of the picture instead of a tree or a rock, though they're in the picture as well. See, there are many things that are in the picture of our lives. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but there's a lot of things that are in the picture of the life, but that doesn't mean God wants us focusing on all of them. There are some things that are right in the center of what it's all about, and there's something fresh, and there's something new, and there's something beautiful, um, the other parts are less focused. The position of the clear paint is in the middle. And when I'm learning about this artist, I don't know who they are. All I know is that right in the center of this artistic expression, there's relationship, there's new and fresh love, there is beauty, um, there, is, there is purity. It's all of it's been removed and it's all been all that was communicated to me just by the way they framed the picture. Say, well, okay, that's, that's a, well, let's just try one more photo. And I want you to do it with me. Okay? I want you to stare at the photo for a little bit. We, we said that they've used motion or blur to frame this. The artist is trying to get you to think what he is or she is thinking about in this picture. So what are some of the things that pop out? Just look at it. It's, uh, so first... One of the things that pops out, well, music seems to be a value to this person. But have you noticed how the musician is looking at the child? What a beautiful concept. What about the innocent meeting the beauty of art, the artisanship? Both of it in the middle of busyness middle of all the, the routine of life, people going to work, people trying to catch a train, all that, this person has frozen the busyness, blurred the busyness in the middle. This artist, I don't know how long this artist has been playing the violin and where he was playing it in a nightclub the night before, but this artist appreciates the value of that child in this moment. It's beautiful. Relationship, unencumbered life. Kind of like telling all of us, stop being so busy and stop and, and see the beauty of life. That's what I'm getting from this artist. I'm, I'm getting relationship. Oh, what else are we getting here? Fatherhood. Okay, we got a father that's looking around, making sure nobody out of that blur comes in and affects the beauty of this moment. See, now I could write a sermon about that. Because there's a lot of blur going on in your life and there's a lot of movement in your life and there are a lot of distractions in your life and God is vigilantly looking over your life asking you, make sure you're looking at the right things. Make sure your life is focused on the right things. I have framed life for you. I also liked a little bit of uh, the fact that there's harshness and organic in the same photo. Okay, he allowed us to see the the raw stuff stone and then he allows us to see a child because isn't that how we live life don't we live life on the edges of of the raw the the brokenness the the harshness of life whether we find it in ourselves but at the same time we desire to see the beauty the relationship the innocence all over again and you say well dude you've been smoking i mean where did you come up with that i mean you gotta know the guy that took the picture and it's like no No, I don't know the artist. There was no caption under this photo. I allowed the framing to direct me on how I interpret what is important in this photo. See, framing did that. So regardless of what they're made out of, frames direct you to the artist's focus. This is what the focus of the artist is. Frames provide context and meaning to the story frames create depth of understanding in the middle of the story and here's one of the most important things frames express ownership see the moment you take a photo whether you've taken it with your with your phone or with your camera or you buy a piece of art and you frame it as soon as you take a picture of those rocks and you frame it you own them those, those, are, those are yours because frame, framing communicates something about that. Let me just point this out another way, okay? See, we all see kids all the time. We all, we all know kids. We bump into them. Whether we like them or not, they're there. And there's kids everywhere, all right? But the moment you walk into my office and you see this, okay, okay? What is what is a couple things that you assume? Well, you may look at that and say, "Well, you're too old to have kids that age." So you immediately assume what? These are my grandkids, but you don't know what a, my birth record is, or uh, you know who I've been married to, or anything like that. But you assume they're mine, okay? And then it's hanging on my wall and it's been framed by me because I have some sense of ownership with it. Or or put it this way. My wife is on Facebook and and you're more than welcome to send a friend request and she'll be your friend. And um, so let's say, so you can get a picture of my wife. But let's say I'm invited over to your house and when I walk into your house, you're showing me around your house, and it's like, oh, well, that's cool, yeah, nice. I like that over there, and you know, uh, it's like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that. You know, you're walking around the house, and you see somebody stuff, and all of a sudden, you take me to show me the master bedroom or whatever, and I go back in there, and all of a sudden, you have printed out a picture of my wife, and you have framed it. Okay, I'm kicking your frigging butt. I am serious. It's like, wait a minute. I got that picture off the internet. Okay, cool. But the moment you printed it, the moment you framed it, the moment you hung it, you stole it from me. You don't own her. You don't, you're not relationally connected with her. Isn't it amazing? So you could say I've seen pictures of Susan on the internet, but the moment you print it and frame it, it changes the intensity of the whole situation. That's the power of framing. So here's where it gets good. So when I think about the revelation of God through scripture, through the spirit of God and through even through nature, what I'm very important to try to find is the framing of the pictures. How has God framed this story? How, what is God framing with? Um, what did God choose to bring into the picture? And also, what did God choose to leave out of the picture? That's just as important as all the other things that we see. See, God uses framing to tell us about who he is and what is important to him. Because the story has got murder in it. It's got adultery in it. It's got sin in it. It's got war in it. The whole scripture is, is just got all this life stuff. It's got rocks in it. All kinds of arbitrary rocks. And sometimes people will say to me, hey, I was looking through the Bible, and I noticed that uh, uh, there's that one story where that woman sticks a stake through that guy's head. Uh, What's that all about? I don't know. That's just an arbitrary story. I don't know. I mean, it's like, how's it framed? How's that? I don't know. Maybe I can't even find framing to it. Maybe it was just one of those... Crazy people stories. And maybe God doesn't bring it into the frame of understanding. I don't, I don't know, but there are so many things about humanity. But then God begins to frame things like, I want you to get this. I want you to know what I value. I want you to know with all the arbitrary items of life, I want you to know what has meaning and purpose. So God uses framing to first tell us something about himself and then to tell us what's important to him. Let me show you an, an example where God frames. So we know Egypt's in, I mean, Israel's in Egypt, and we, we've seen the movie, um, and they're stuck in Egypt, and they're being tortured, and they're like 400 years, and all this other stuff. And so Moses has an experience with God on the backside of the desert. I think it's in Exodus 3 um, that he has this conversation with God burning bush, and, and so God says, yeah, I want you to go back to Egypt And I want you to deliver the people of Israel. So let's pick up the story. Because Moses needs a frame. Because the people are going to need this story framed for them. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, And they were happened to ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? It's like, oh, okay. I need a frame. I mean, are you, the, are you Dagon? Are, are you Baal? Are, are you some of the other Egyptian gods? Are you the Canaanite God? Are you What God are you? I, I need some sort of way to frame this, that, that you're not the, just, just another God that's the invention of people. So God said to them, okay, let's frame it. I am who I am. He begins to frame it. Isn't it interesting that names do frame us? All of a sudden, you're just a random person, but all of a sudden, when you tell me your name is Piper, all of a sudden, it's like I met a girl named Piper the other day. And it was like, wow, your name is Piper. And I'm like, please tell me about this name. I I mean, I asked her. She works at the coffee shop. And I'm just like, tell me about your name Piper. And she told me. She told me what her sign was. She's a Pisces. and, And she told me everything, you know, a lot of stuff about her. And I just let her just frame herself. And it was like, the more information I got, the more valuable she became to me. The more I knew, more this relationship developed, what? Ownership. So God says, okay, you can't just send me back there with no name, and it's like, tell them I am that I am. And he said to the people, oh yeah, by the way, say to the people, I am has sent me to you. And then God's like, okay, but one more thing, Moses, say to this people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. So why all this talk is because before he sends him back, he's just a vague deity. See, for some of us here, I could say to you, do you believe in God? And you say, yeah, I believe in God. Do you know we're not any closer because I've just said you answered that. That's very vague. That's why when I tell women that are dating, and you know, I, I said, listen, before you, before you say I do, and before you go too far with this guy, you need to come talk to me. Right? And they'll be like, okay, you know, and I'll, I'll coach him up and I'll, I'll say, um, uh, what you need to ask him is if, if he believes in God. And if he says yes, I said, then you need to take it further. Okay, how do I take it further? Ask him, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and he's Lord of your life? All of a sudden, I mean, you have just framed the story so much that you can tell if he's faking it or not. Oh, yeah, I believed in whatever God, honey, whatever God you want me to believe in at 11 o'clock at night when I'm at a bar, I'll believe in whatever God you want, and I'll go to whatever church you want to go to in the morning, but right now, you know, I've got something else on my mind, but all of a sudden, you begin to frame it, and you begin to get specific about who this God is, you all of a sudden, because I have not met a guy yet, if you asked him and said to him, do you love Jesus? Uh, that, that could fake that. It's really hard. I mean, because you, you gotta, you, you just can't fake it. You have have to look down to, the, I guess, to the left when you're lying. You look down to the left. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 he's my buddy. He's the big, let me just say, if anybody tells you about God, he's the big man upstairs, okay, that's, that's a bogus frame, okay? And God wanted to frame himself correctly in the eyes of And then he's also going to go from the arbitrary random deity to a specific deity, but also watch what he brings into the picture. My name is Yahweh, or Jehovah. I am am self-existent. I am a cause, but I am not an effect. I am not like the gods of Egypt. I'm not something you make or fabricate out of stone or gold. Then he increases his framing with Moses and he says, Tell them I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What's that tell you? We're interpreting a photo with a frame. We're talking relationship. Means that he is relational and that he is in a belonging, ownership relationship with with these dudes. And not only just any dudes, it's their dudes. He's like, I'm wearing your jersey. I I used to work with your dad. We served in the military together. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I I know you. All of a sudden, framing is taking place. We had this random deity, the big guy upstairs. And now we're kind of like, wait a minute. He's with me. My dad knew you. And then he says, oh, yeah, I want to let you know I'm going to rescue you and, and I will be your God and you will be my people. So God frames himself, and after he's finished framing himself, what he does What does he do? Hold on before you take the picture. Here, come here. Okay. Take the picture now. He goes and gets Israel, brings them into the frame, and all of a sudden they got value and meaning. So what, how, does, how does this affect the people in in uh, egypt they all said no by that one photo i'm talking about i just used three scriptures three they know that they're no longer defined by the egyptians they are no longer random slaves with no value they are god's people that they, he is coming for them and our picture is hanging in god's house all that from three scriptures beautifully framed god framed himself and god framed them into the picture this is why it insults i don't want to sound like i'm a brainiac here but let me just pretend just for a second this is why it insults my rational and artistic intellect when people sum up god and say i don't believe in god that and a god that would send people to hell it's like really Okay, you've walked through the National Gallery of Scripture. You've walked through all this revelation. You've seen all the photos, all the things. And the only dilettante response that you come up with is, I don't believe in a God that would send people to hell. First of all, show me a picture of that in the Bible. Okay? But it's like, is that what God has framed? When you read, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that those who would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. How the heck did you possibly walk away from this story and said, yeah, I didn't like that picture. It had a bunch of dirty glass in it. You didn't see the woman and the man married in the center of the whole thing. You missed that. This is also why When Channel 5, Channel 4, Channel 2, or anybody that really gives a rip about what I think, which I understand that they wouldn't, but when they come up to me and talk to me about a hot issue, this is why I don't always respond the way they want me to respond. For instance, I've had them in the middle of a flood situation. When we flooded, that's when I get my notoriety. That's when I'm famous, is when we flood. It's like awesome. The only time anybody wants to listen to me is when we flood. But that's cool. But all of a sudden, they'll talk to me about flooding. How do you think you're going to fix flooding? Oh, by the way, what's your stand on gay marriage? I'm like, oh, okay. And here's what I do. I say, listen, we're not going to have that conversation. You say, why wouldn't you have that conversation? This is an opportunity for you to press righteousness into our culture and stand. No, they're framing me, okay? They, they are choosing the context of the conversation and then they're gonna hang me in some wall I don't wanna be hung in, okay? I'll say, so I have. I said, listen, I'll tell you what. I will give you my thorough, full opinion about, about any human behavior as long as you give me time to first frame it. Okay, And then we'll put the picture in there. Any topic you want to talk about, we'll just take it and put it in the frame. But if I can't tell you first about the grace, the love, the truth, the mercy, and the goodness of our God, if you want me just to frame one behavior over all the other behaviors over here, because God's got a, a lot to say about all the behaviors of humanity. But it's like, I won't let you do it is because unless we frame it the right way, you're going to misinterpret my accent and and you'll get some poor doofus guy from Texas on Larry King's show and they'll ask him, what do you think about gay marriage? And then I'll be squirming and I'll watch the, well, you know, God, we try to just, uh, it's like, dude, dude, I, I, I know I did that impersonation way too good. You might've even known who that was. So I've, I'm so sorry. I should have done that. But you know what I'm saying? is that you can decontextualize any event in the story, but unless you're looking where the artist wanted you to look, you're not really getting the meaning of what's going on in the story. But when I look honestly and with integrity at the framing of God, I see a beautiful picture, and guess what? I'm in the picture. You see, God built a frame for all of us to be in, and he wants all of us to be in the picture. Um, God has in his head what you can look like in one of the frames, what your picture looks like. And he built a frame for you, and this is really cool, this is Star Trek-ish, but he built the frame for your picture before your picture even got, got took, okay? That's why the Bible says something like that Jesus is the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the world. Like, wait a minute. How can Jesus have died before the world, before anybody did any wrong? It's like because he was already framing before your photo was even taken. We're gonna look through the book of Ephesians over the next couple of weeks, but we're gonna see that we're framed by grace, we're framed by truth, we're framed by his faithfulness, and we're framed by goodness. You know? And you know what the material is made out of? You know what God made the frame around your life out of? He made it out of the wood of the cross. Okay, this is a really important picture. You're going to come up in a few minutes and you're going to take the bread and you're going to take the the cup and they're going to remind you of the body and the blood of Jesus that was poured out. That should scream, and I'm correct in saying this, it should scream bloody murder. How important you are to him. The frame does that. All this religious activity that you think you have to perform, all these promises that you make to God, I'll never smoke again, I'll never look at porn again, I'll never lie again. I know it's like don't try to get yourself in the picture. Okay? He's already framed it. That's not how you get in the picture. See, all the biblical history is framed even before your life takes place. That story of David cheating on his wife. You're wondering why that's in the Bible. David sleeps with Bathsheba, and we got a really good description about it. It's like, why would that be in the Bible? Why, why some arbitrary, random story about a guy sleeping with another guy's wife, and then he kills, gets the guy killed is because, you know what? Those rocks and those stones, they're a part of your life too. Why would he give us a story about you know, this group of people poking these people's eyes out and then going over and stealing that from NASA because you know what? That's part of yours in my life. And then all of a sudden in the middle of it, while all the story of biblical history is going on, all that can be heard in the background is the sound of this nails being put into this this frame that's being built. And it's like, surely he's going to put this in the picture. Surely he's going to put that in the picture. Surely he's going to do that. And it's like all of a sudden God puts you and me in the picture. In the middle of all the chaos and all the random things that we've done, the arbitrary good and evil we've done, God has built a frame and he wants to put us in it. But you're saying to yourself, and I know it, I am not good enough to be framed by God. You know why that's, you feel that way? is because when we take a picture, um, we look at a picture, and like so I'll get like my camera, and, I'll tick, 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 and then what do I do? I'll sit at my computer and I'll look through, and I'll look through, and no, that's not a good one. Uh-oh, my one eye's open there. Looks like I'm angry, you know, uh, and go through that, and then I'll find the right picture, okay? And then what do I do? I'll bring it into Adobe Lightroom, and I'll start changing the ba- light balance. I'll, start cha- I'll make it look like I have a halo behind me. I'll start making my hair, oh, it's gray. I need- I'm going to bring a little bit more brown into that. Oh, these sunspots, I'm going to start taking them off. See, that's the kind of photo that we end up framing. We go through it, and we're going through the pictures, and we say, oh, that needs to be framed. Because we deemed it good enough to be framed. We all want to frame our lives. And we do. We use cheap materials to frame our lives. Some of us drive the car that we drive. Because we think it frames us. I look cute in this car. I look fast in this car. I look cool. Why do you think I have stickers all over my beautiful SUV? Why why do you think I have... I'm just telling on myself. Why do you think I've got stickers of mountain bikes and mountains and, and, and stickers that say what kind of carburetor I have and, and all this other stuff. Because I want you to think I'm BA. <laughs> yeah, I do. I want you to think I, I, I am just like I was 20 years ago. And so what I do is I present you with a frame made out of stickers because they're so significant, aren't they? stickers around my car so that but people buy certain cars they'll buy a lexus over a toyota exact same car okay a highlander and an rx350 are the same friggin' car but being i've had an rx350 mm-hmm. i'm looking good in rx350 i'm looking like a mom in a highlander okay <laughs> nothing wrong with being a mom if you are a mom but I'm not a mom. But we will use stuff. We'll frame ourselves with accomplishments. We will decontextualize rela- reality inside of our frame. That's not really who we are. We'll take a thousand pictures of us. We'll selfie ourselves. <laughs> take selfie. We'll go through them all. And then in some weird thing. We not only think we need to take a picture of ourselves, we think I need to share me with the world. The world is waiting on Instagram to see this perfect picture of me. How many times has anybody ever posted a picture where they're at their worst? No, we only frame what we think is the best. Oh, all right, here's another thing. It's like award time. I won't put you a picture of when I'm like coming in last place. Um, I'll... I, as a matter of fact, kind of side story. That's I love those kinds of pictures where you're winning, where you got the trophy, you got the ribbon, you're graduating, whatever it is. We we frame those pictures. Us at our best. I was doing a race. I was a really good runner when I was a kid. In high school, I was. I, I mean, I really was. I was second best two miler in the state of Massachusetts. Lost to Alberto Salazar, who went on to do the Olympics and all the stuff. Won New York Marathon. I think like five times. I was a pretty good runner. Um, And then I got mononucleosis, it affected me, I was slow. And so I came back to do a race in Boston. And so, um, uh, this is so embarrassing. And so uh, in this race, I'm not doing very good. But towards the end of this race, they're bringing across the the road, they're bringing out this ribbon. Because, you know, it's like, wait a minute, am I closer to the front than I realized? So they bring out this ribbon. Well, what I didn't realize is that the first woman finisher was right next to me. Okay, context. This is 1970, 1980. We weren't as equally affirmative action oriented back then. To get beat by a girl was considered the worst thing that you could possibly do as a male. Okay, it was bogus, it was wrong. But I was like, there is no way the first woman of this race is beating me. So I said, and there on the front of the Boston Herald newspaper is the first woman of the race finishing and me going, breaking the ribbon before she could. Okay. I did not frame that picture. That is not the picture I fra- I can't even believe it happened to you. Because all my track buddies were like, dude, good race. And there's me. Uh, oh, man. But you know, God already makes the frame and he picks a spot to hang it. And even when it is deemed not good enough, he puts your picture in it. If that's where you want to be hung. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's like, what do I got to do to be good enough to get in this frame? It's like, well, you don't have to be more holy. You don't have to be better, perfect person or anything like that. It's like God built the frame. You don't have to build the frame. You don't have to buy a new car. You don't have to get a new house to frame yourself better. You don't need to get a doctorate. You don't need to make more money in order to frame yourself in a good light to look successful. You don't have to do any of that you just got to allow yourself to be put in the frame that God has made for you. See, God is like me. He doesn't hang pictures, and this is the only part me and God are like. Uh, uh, we don't hang pictures of other people's kids in our house. That's creepy, right? If I hung pictures of your kids, God does not hang pictures of other kids, other people's kids in his house. But, as John 1.12 says, but to all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You know? He doesn't frame you because you're a good Republican, or a good Democrat, or because you served in the military. He doesn't, fr- he doesn't frame just white people or just black people or just asian people he doesn't frame based upon gender he doesn't frame based upon age there is no political wall there's either children or an empty frame that's the only thing that is offered it's either children or an empty frame so you got to ask yourself how do you get in this frame that god has made Let me say it this way. You are brought into the frame through your affirmation of the life, the death, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and the surrender of your life to his will. To as many as receive him, to them he gives the power to become the children of God. Could you imagine, I mean, just visualize this. This this isn't metaphor anymore. This is beyond metaphor. That if you were to walk into heaven today and you were, and God was one of the angels led you in though. I think it would be God that would greet you at the door because it would be Jesus that would greet you at the door because of a lot of the parables, he would take you into the living room and let's say God, the father is there. And he smokes a pipe and he's, he's, he's got a pipe and he sits there and, and he's like, Hey, the game's about to come on. And he's got a seat for you and you sit down. And you look at the fireplace, and instead of hanging over the TV, over the fireplace, is an 85-inch TV. That's not what's there. All of a sudden, it's a picture of you fully framed above the fireplace. And then God's just looking at you. You see it, you look, and you look over at him, and he's smiling. It's like, oh, my God. That's just a concept so beautiful big for me to grasp but why it's what the bible's been framing all along other passages about sin yes other passages about rebellion yes there are humans being behaving poorly yes but god has called us to be new creations in christ god as the director of all time as a the Martin Scorsese of all time says, I choose to leave your failures out. You are a new creation in me. I'm putting you right over the fireplace. Oh, my goodness. How can that not transform your life? So I know that you're here. And, and, and l- l- as we go in for communion, I don't know what you look like at your worst, but God, God knew what you look like at your worst, and he still built the frame for your picture. I don't know what you did that covers you with shame, but God does. I don't know how you can fix the mess you have made out of your life, but God does, and he built a frame. I do know that you matter to God because there is an empty frame and it was made with the wood of the cross. That tells you, like I said earlier, the moment you take four, four edges and you surround them, the arbitrary becomes anything but arbitrary. You're not just one of the, the number is probably eight billion Homo sapiens that have walked the earth, eight billion. And you, you are wondering how am I any different than anybody else? How am I going to make a name for myself? How can God love me when there's been 80 billion Homo sapiens on the planet? Because the moment you frame your life in the grace of God, you are no longer just a homo sapien. You are a child of the living God and your photo is hanging on the walls of God's living room. I mean, that's powerful. Yeah, but what about my adultery? What about my addiction? It's like, really? The frame is made out of blood and body. In this moment, you're invited to come and receive communion and it will be bread and, and a, a cup of juice but what it represents is the framing of your future okay, if you, there's nothing about your life your ugly selfie that you're carrying around the frame is what's going to make it oh, but you don't know what I've done God does and God wants to frame you But you've got to make that choice. To as many as receive him and believe on his name, to them he gives the power to become the children of God. So let me invite you to come and receive that. And I know at church everybody comes up. Can I ask you to do me a favor? Don't come up if that's not really what you're saying. Because that's what God's saying. Don't come up because, well, this is what we do at the end of the service. Don't do that. This is the framing of God this is this costs blood and uh and and flesh to produce but also here's another thing don't do don't not come up because you're ashamed okay let the frame do its job the frame is what changed ordinary rocks into special rocks the frame changed an ordinary door knocker to a special door knocker the frame of God's grace and mercy will transform your soul into something else. So don't let anything stop you. Heavenly Fathers, we are in this moment with you. We are in the moment with the, with the artist of heaven and time. You are not just some random, arbitrary deity. You're not the big man upstairs. Not to me, you're not. And how you must have shocked the listeners of your day, oh Jesus when they asked you, Lord, tell us how to pray. And you started the prayer off framing it this way, our Father who art in heaven. You are our Father. Today, God has a frame that has been fashioned for your life. I don't care what you did last night, But today, receive him as your Lord and Savior. And your picture goes up in heaven. It really, it goes up in the heart of God. He's already wanted to, he's already got the frame hanging there and it's been empty. He literally was dying to put your picture in the frame. Receive that today.